You are listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. To learn more about CRCC, including worship times, visit us at crcconline.com. But I want to talk about something that I think is probably your most powerful gift that you don't realize. I think that everybody in this room has an amazing, 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 powerful gift that most of you, if you were to talk prior to this message, you would talk about it as if it's your greatest weakness. You would talk about it from a, from a concept of, of almost like, ah, oh, you know, but I, but I have this thing. And I'm going to reveal kind of the, what that is, show you in God's Word how it can be used, and hopefully we're all going to leave here together knowing God's Word a little bit more and understanding just exactly what He's calling you to do and how powerful His people can be when we allow Him to be the God of our life. Well, the concept that I want to kind of introduce you to is the fact that all of us in this room have actually the same purpose. And we need to understand this before I get to this this concept, this thing that you have that is very powerful. Because if you don't understand that we all have the same purpose, then you're going to get kind of a little bit lost in why this thing that I'm going to get to in a minute is so powerful for you. Now, we will serve this purpose differently, but all of us have the same purpose. Here's the way we put it around here. All of us have the same purpose in that we are to serve God by serving others. Everyone in this room, when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have the same purpose. To serve God by serving others. Now, the way that you do that is very unique. Now, I'm not saying that everybody in this room is going to do that the exact same way. That's what's so cool about our community groups. That's the reason why we kind of take the lid off. We kind of, it's funny, we kind of step outside the box. I will tell you, in the first three years, the hardest thing as a pastor that I've been doing is trying to keep everybody from building a box. We say, hey, we don't have a box, and everybody around here wants to build a box. Why? Because there's where comfort lies. Me and Mr. Sauls joke around all the time, one of our elders, and he says, man, it's crazy how hard it is to not try to step in a box. Because that's the way we're kind of trained. Like, this is the way you do it. This is the way. And we're saying, you know what, that's not the, we don't have a box. There's no limit The only limit we have around here when it comes to you serving God by serving others is it has to be ethical, moral, and biblical. Outside of that, let's go, baby. So when you say, hey, I want to do a community group, we're going to go up to the Tennessee Vols games. Let's go. Give me a ticket. Hey, I want to go play golf. I mean, you may even be one of those guys that got brainwashed, and now you're a Georgia fan all of a sudden. Hey, that's okay. We'll pray for you, but let's go. And it's one of those things that, you know, as you go through this, like, we don't limit. Well, Pastor Mickey, does the community groups, does everything have to be a Bible study? We love God's Word. But no, not everything has to be an in-depth Bible study. Like, it's okay for a community group to be like, hey, we get together and do a progressive dinner. Hey, there's a group of guys that get together, and we just like, like, we like to smoke stuff, a.k.a. meats. (laughs) Make sure we, in 2020... We like to, I had about 20 of you say, hey, baby, sign me up for that one. Our church has grown exponentially. We like to smoke different meats, bring different recipes. Bring, literally, there are things that you have experienced that God has taught you that you get enjoyment and fulfillment from. And why would we not use where your joy lies in some of these hobbies to build relationships with people coming together and to serve other peoples. Because again, our goal, our purpose is the same, to serve God by serving others. 
But isn't it amazing? When I make that comment, very quickly, most of you, if I was to ask you without kind of giving you that synopsis beforehand, I said, hey guys, we need to serve God by serving others. You would immediately start thinking of certain tasks that you feel like we need to do around the church. You know, oh, well, I'm going to serve God by serving others, and it's usually going to tie into something that's a church function. Like, oh, well, I need to teach a class. Oh, I need to watch the children. Oh, I, can I chase a rabbit real quick? Around here, we don't watch children. We believe that children are amazing. We believe that they are anointed. We believe that they have just as much purpose. They're not going to one day grow up and be the church. They are right now in their little bodies being the church right now today. You can watch them down here worship. Some of the greatest motivation that I have before I come up here is sometimes I'll be sitting over here and I just watch all these kids. And, man, they are chasing after him. And I sometimes go, boy, to be that innocent again and just not be worried. And so we don't have child care, but we do have CRCC Kids, which is a ministry with children. And so you may say, hey, that's an area that I want to serve. Nothing wrong. Oh, I want to serve on this dream team. Nothing wrong with any of those things. But have you ever stopped long enough and think, maybe your greatest strength lies in your identity. Maybe one of the greatest strengths that God has for you, listen to this word. Lies in your identity and everything that he has you to be right now. Like some of those poor decisions that you go, oh man, well, that, that was a bonehead. Now God leverages it to allow you to help other people that are being a bonehead. Maybe some of the things that you even feel inadequate because of it. God allows you, listen to this word. To identify with other people that have that same struggle. See, I think sometimes, this is Mickey, this isn't God's word, so take this very, very grain of salt. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a little bit of, an, of a pastor opinion. But I feel like sometimes we try to oppress everything that we are because we're trying to get to something we're trying to be. And God's saying, but I am all over who you are. Like, yeah, you've made some mistakes, but that's where this thing called forgiveness lies. Yeah, you're not perfect, hence why all of us need grace. Yeah, you don't have the ability to do a lot of the things that you want to do, hence why you have faith. But through me, I can use all these things. I think that's where that scripture comes in. I can use all these things through the Christ who gives you strength. And so what if today we stop looking at all the things in our life like, oh, man, I just, I'm, I'm always going to be this short. And we start saying, wait a minute. Maybe my identity and who he's allowed me to identify with is more of a door and a gateway to my ministry, life ministry, than who I'm trying to become. Did you catch that? I think sometimes when we talk about serving God by serving others, it's like we're trying to get to a place where, like, we were worthy. And I think God's saying, no, 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 no. I need you, like, like who you are right now is an amazing person when I'm the priority of your life. Warts and all. You say, Mickey, that sounds great. I just wish it was biblical. Well, let's read God's Word. Are you ready? Here's a story in 1 Corinthians. If you want to know a little bit about any of these 
letters that Paul wrote to the church, it doesn't take long to do a little bit of a backdrop and understand what's going on, whether it be Galatians or the church at Corinth. All of these churches are exploding and what's happening, and I talked just briefly last week about that, but I want to remind you, what's taking place is Christianity is moving from a Jewish custom conversion to a, to a Christianity of the whole world, and all of a sudden there's this battle going on where the Jewish Christians of the church of Jerusalem are infiltrating the surrounding areas, and they're trying to battle with them like, wait a minute, yes, you can love Jesus, but you still have to adhere to some of these Jewish customs, aka what you should eat or, or where you should live or the, the things that you should do, whether it be circumcision and different things. And Paul is trying to explain to all these churches, so he writes them these different letters, of how this works and the concept, the fact that you know Jesus is enough. And you don't have to try to make these different concepts in your life. Jesus truly is enough. So join with me and listen to what Paul says when he talks about this identity and identifying with people. Verse 19. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. Now, can I hit a pause button just on this one scripture? This is the concept that we get that we understand that we all have the same purpose. All of us are here to serve God by serving others. Now, Paul is very bold in the fact that he tells you there's a main purpose behind in which he does that. Now, here's what's so tough. The toughest part in 2020 is to have the purpose of Paul without having the side note of having everything have an ulterior motive. Paul was planting the church. So therefore, when he's talking about, I'm doing this so that I could win more, this wasn't an ulterior motive. The only reason why I love you is because I want you to love God. He is in the process of planting churches. So his motive is to bring people into the flock. I do not want you to read this scripture and look at it as if the only reason why we love people is because we want something out of them. The only reason why we serve people is because we want something out of them. All of us serve people and love people because, yes, we would love for every person to come into a right relationship with Jesus Christ. But even if they don't, that doesn't mean I serve them less or love them less. Even if they don't agree with what I believe is biblical truth, doesn't mean that I love them less and serve them less. See, I, I can love people well I can serve people well despite what we may disagree on as far as biblical truth. That doesn't make me a bigot, and it doesn't make them right. It just means this is what God's called us to do. I need you to hear that in 2020. We can stand up for biblical godly truth without smacking somebody in the head or blowing off a whole group of people. We can still love and serve people well and stand on biblical truth because the way in which we do this will help them see who we are and identify with them. You say, well, okay, again, well, but what's the key? What's the strength? Listen to what Paul says. This is so good. It's probably a scripture you've heard before. I just want to give you a little bit more depth behind it. Verse 20, to the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. 
To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law. Not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means, I might save some. This aspect of under the law, outside the law, he's talking about the Jewish law and the customs. He's letting them know that this battle that you're waging and this battle that you're hitting, me being a Jew to the Jews, I act like a Jew. But I also can go to the Samaritans. I can also go to Corinth, which is a very Greek-influenced town. We're going to see a little bit of that in a minute when we get to the later in Scripture. And I can be like the Greek. Now, listen to me. Here's where it gets a little bit tough. So, so Pastor Mickey, are, are you saying that that you need to go and just be whoever the world tells you to be? No, 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 no. I believe who you are in Christ will exude itself, and that will never change. Can I try to simplify it a little bit? A chameleon does never stop being a chameleon. He just learns to adapt so that you can see and be a part of his environment. He never stops being what he is. He just learns to adapt to the environment. Paul's talking about this. He's not going in. He's not talking about going in and doing things that are unethical. He's not talking about going in and doing things unbiblical. He's not talking about going and doing things unmoral. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you and be one of these pastors like, you know, what you need to do is in order to relate to the blank, whatever the blank may be, well, you need to act like them. That's not what I'm telling you. What I am telling you is God has uniquely created you to be something amazing. And here's the purple smoke moment. You ready? And your past that you think is a little bit like, oh, gosh, I hate this, could be your greatest strength. Because in some of those poor decisions, you're able to relate to people and let them understand what it means to walk with Jesus despite some of the decisions that you've made in your life. Here's the way we kind of put it in, in student ministry sometimes. I've even heard Pastor Sam talk to our students and, and say this. Do you know the greatest person to reach an 11th grade boy in 2020? Like the person that's going to be able to build the greatest relationship. To be able to understand them the most. To be able to identify with them the most. Is another 11th grade boy. You know, my door doesn't get, hey, pastor, I'm 15 years old, and I was wanting to come hang out with the 45-year-old pastor. Let's go. That, that didn't happen. Well, can you relate to students? I mean, yeah. But when it's all said and done, you know what relates to an 11th grade boy? Another 11th grade boy. Do you know what relates to a mother of three? A mother of three. You know that re- what relates to a single father who's, who's been through a divorce? A single father who's been through a divorce. See, some of the things that you may think are negatives in your life, that aspect of forgiveness and then God forgetting it and saying, let's move on, 
He also can empower you to use these things so that other people will find you having the ability to be able to identify with them. And hence, there's a relationship community that can be formed. That's the reason why we are so enthralled with community groups and trying not to box you in. Because we believe one of the greatest gifts that God has and uses to tell people about him are people just like you and just like me. Like exactly who you are. You say, Mickey, what's the struggle usually? Most of the time people like us, when we meet somebody, the first thing we try to do is be something we're not. Oh, uh, yeah, I've got everything. I, I, I was joking around even today. I had a chance to talk to a couple this morning. And we were laughing. I enjoy golf. I, I, I like golf a lot. I don't love golf. I like golf. If I was better at it, I may one day love it. But we're in a love-hate relationship. But I enjoy going out and playing golf, especially when I go out sometimes just to kind of like, like I want to detox. I'm just going to go out here, kind of forget about stuff. And, and I go out, and you're just playing with a complete stranger. And, man, the first four holes, it's as real as real can be. They may be like, oh, you know, saying some words that I'm not going to say, you know, doing some throwing clubs or whatever or, or busting open whatever they're, whatever they're doing. They're just, they're in. And usually about the fourth or the fifth hole, this, this one question comes up. So, Mickey, tell me, what do you do? And you're laughing because you already know what happens. In that moment, the whole scenario changes. Sometimes, if it wasn't for the fact that I don't want to be a liar, I think I would probably lie to them just to be able to keep playing golf and not, you know, make them feel awkward. But normally, it looks like this. So, Mickey, what do you do? And I go, well, I'm a pastor. <laughs> oh, okay, hey, all right. Well, hey, I'm a deacon down the road. I, good to have you. <laughs> you know, I, I went on a mission trip last, man. Let me tell you about Jesus. And I'm going, whoa, dude, hang on. Be real. I one time, I haven't done this, but I need to do this. I really do. I need to go out and get one of you to go with me just so you would verify that this was pre-planned. And just to let people show how ignorant that is, I need to get on the first tee and just have Shankopotamus come up and then just chunk a club and let some words fly. And, and then about the fourth when they say, what are you doing? I'm a pastor. And let them look at me and be like, what? And I'll be like, yeah, that's how I feel every time I play with you guys. Why is it that we struggle with being who we are? Like, what is it that makes us think that we've got to get the approval of people? But yet, if you're not careful, you'll look at some of your darkest days as a ball and chain around your neck. And not always an amazing testimony of what God's done in your life. Why is the church so embarrassed about its struggles? Listen, I want you to have some freedom today. 
This is not Mickey standing up here saying, yeah, you're leaving like, woo-hoo, baby, I can do whatever I want to. Pastor said I'm good. No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, can, can we call it what it is? We've all had struggles, haven't we? We've all made poor choices. But what about today we, we put a stake in the ground and we say, you know what? But from this day forward, I choose to allow God to allow me to move forward rather than these things pull me back. And I'm not going to be ashamed of these things anymore. I'm just going to say, you know, this is a part of who I am. This is my identity. And you're going to be amazed at how many people go, well, wait a minute, man. I, now I can identify with that. That's where I am right now. And it will open up the conversation for you to be able to tell somebody. Because they'll usually ask you this question. Well, how did you get through that? Well, what did you, what did you do to, to get past that? You know, what, what was it in your life that changed where you could take a step forward? Because right now, I, I feel like I'm drowning. Like, I understand exactly what you're talking about because your past is my present right now. And I just need to know that this isn't the end. I think that's what Paul was talking about. He was talking about the power of identifying. The fact that God has given you the ability to identify with people. You say, well, how long has that been around? Well, we got a scripture that I told him to pull up. As I was going through some different things, I thought, you know, this is not an old, this is not a new concept. It's a very old concept. Look at Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, verse 20. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it very, very quickly. You'll see it on the screen. The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the heaven, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. Do you know this aspect of identifying, this aspect of trying to figure out who exactly we are, trying to find somebody we can identify with, somebody that we can do life with, somebody that we can work with, this aspect of community, it's been there from the very beginning. I mean, literally, Adam named everything. Anything that breathed air, he has put his eyes on and named. The only thing not included in this scripture on the screen is fish of the sea. Birds of the air, beasts of the fields, people. He looked at all of it. And at the end, he's like, none of this stuff's like me. And so God put him to sleep and created woman. See, there is a great power that comes from you identifying with people. Even from the beginning. Man, this runs deep. God made man in what? His own image. The power of identifying has ran from the very beginning when God himself created man in his own image. But yet we want to run out of here and try to act like, we, well, I don't know anything about that. And almost embarrassed about who we are. Keep reading in the scripture. Verse 23. 
I do it all for the sake of the gospel. That I may share with them in its blessings. You know, I think a part of this and what we deal with is we have to understand that, that the motive behind what we're doing is just as important as what we're doing. And the motive, again, it doesn't become like we're, we're leveraging because we want something. It's more of not something that we want as much as something that we know they need. Like, I'd like to share. I'd like to help. I'd like to be life-giving to people so they can understand what the blessings are. That's a huge part. I don't know of anybody that wants less for somebody. If you're a parent in the room, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. You want more for your child than you had yourself. But this isn't talking about earthly things. This is talking about heavenly blessings. We want people to understand what it means to have a life and for it to be blessed. And you know how we do that? We get to let them understand. We have to let them understand. We have to identify with them. We have to be comfortable with our own identity and understand that through Christ, I am being made new, but there are part of my stuff, my issues, and they're not negative. In fact, here's the way I wrote it in my notes. Very simply, I put, our identity will open more doors than our ability. Our identity will open more doors than your ability. See, some of us are so caught up in trying to figure out how to do something that we don't understand it's about being something. It's not about learning how to do something. It's about learning how to be something. Paul follows this up in the following scriptures. Now, I'll read them briefly. They'll be on the screen. You can finish reading all of them. It says, do you not know that there's a race that all runners run, but on one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we are imperishable. So do we not run aimlessly? I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself may be disqualified. You say, well, where'd that come from? Paul is teaching us in the closing out of the chapter what he was trying to explain, that he's become all things to all people. See, what he's talking to is he's talking to the Corinth church. And if you do a little bit of a history study, you'll realize that there was a biannual games that took place there every two years. It was the Isthma Games. They were second in fame only to the Olympics. And because of the Greek culture, it was a really big deal. In fact, most people would tell you that if you study Acts chapter 18, Paul is in Corinth planting the church. It had been around either 49 or 51 A.D. And there's a real good chance that in both those years, whichever year he was in, Paul actually got to see and understand how big these games were to this culture. 
So in return, when he's trying to get them to understand what he is trying to get them to, to grasp as far as biblical truth, you know the first thing he does? He goes to something that they would identify with. He starts talking about these games. He talks about this wreath. You've all seen the little sculptures, seen the pictures, the little, the little wreath that comes on that's of flowers or branches. And he's trying to explain to them that if we would run a race after something so simple that perishes, how much more so should we live a life and chase after people which are imperishable? See, Paul is trying to get you and me to understand God inspired him in writing this word to follow up exactly what he's talking about. See, what he's doing is he's identifying with them with something that was a part of their life. Yeah, I got one simple question. When's the last time you spent time identifying with a person more than trying to convert them? When's the last time you spent time trying to understand where a person was rather than trying to get them to something you thought they needed to be? I truly believe that in the coming days, the power of identifying is one of our greatest attributes. This is about all of us, isn't it? Who have you seen in your life that you know, you know that you know that you know that they were put in your life so that you would identify with them? Like some of you have coworkers that there's just something in your gut that you know, like I don't understand why, but I know that I'm supposed to build a relationship with them. You've had people put in your life that you know they were put there so that they would build a relationship with you. And all of a sudden, the things that don't make sense start making sense. And the mountains that look too high start to lower and you can climb those things. And the God of this universe is changing us for us to move forward in Him. See, I call that discipleship. It's a church word that we've made to be something it's not. It's as simple as saying, <laughs> I'm not going to say I'm perfect. But whatever I do have, wherever I have been, I will allow my identity in Christ to not hide behind the embarrassments to put it all out there to say, you know what? Whenever, wherever, and however he wants me to go, I say yes so that others can understand what it means to love God and to be loved by people. If you were encouraged by today's podcast and would like to experience other talks, visit us at crcconline.com.